0: This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska. A place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. 9, 6, or 7. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke 2, 8 through 14.
1: Hey, let's pray together. Let's, Let's pray aloud together. Jesus, the light of the world, as we celebrate your birth, may we begin to see the world in the light of the understanding you give us. As you chose the lowly, the outcasts, and the poor to receive the greatest news the world had ever known. So may we worship you in meekness of heart. And as we reflect on your incredibly generous gift to us through Jesus, may we in turn respond in similar fashion to all those whom you love. Amen. Lord Jesus, that is our prayer. um I pray that we would lean into that by the strength of your spirit, that calling, and by um, just the encouragement of your word. So we lean into that this Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, I'm thinking back to a year ago at this time. It was our first Christmas in Alaska. And uh, boy, if the truth be known... Uh, we were here at church, and it kind of felt like you were a guest in somebody else's home. Uh, that was a year ago. Uh, but now, it feels like this is home, and you are family. And it's been uh, a wonderful year. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for um, making us feel uh, just at home with you. And uh, I know that as uh, we were getting settled a year ago at this time, we were acclimating to Alaska. Uh, It was a cold, dark place. And I can remember some of you telling Lori and me, Don't worry, it's going to be dark. But on December 21st, the shortest day of the year, that'll be the end of it. And starting the next day, it's going to be getting lighter. And so I woke up on December 22nd. (laughs) And I said, they told us it was supposed to be getting lighter. And uh, it was still dark. And yet... Little by little, second by second, and then eventually a minute at a time, two minutes at a time, and lo and behold, by the time we reached June, <laughs> wow, what a contrast. I mean, it was light, and uh, you know what? Everything you told us was true. Even though, on the morning of December 22nd, it was hard to believe. Because it still seemed like Alaska was a very cold and dark place. You know, the same was true in Israel. Our first reading from Isaiah uh, 9, 6-7 uh, is speaking of a child king who would come and would be the fulfillment of God's promise uh, the messiah it was it was spoken during a, a time of of darkness several hundred years before the birth of Jesus which our second passage in Luke 2 we we hear that the angels are breaking the silence of the night and the darkness and they're proclaiming that that long-awaited child, uh, the one that was promised in Isaiah and and Micah and so on, has been born. The light pierced the darkness and entered the world. But there was this period of time, and you can only imagine during that period of time, um, the people of Israel had experienced a, a multitude of nations that had. Conquered and been conquered and they were under constant oppression and, and the religious system had become burdensome and worrisome and people were disenfranchised from the religious institutions of their time and, and there was just a heaviness and a darkness and I, and I can only imagine as they, they went back and they recounted the promises of the prophet in the Old Testament and they're saying, wait a minute. You said that there was going to be light. You said that the that the darkness was going to end. When is it going to end? And then there's this period of time, about 400 years bef- between the, the last time that people had heard from the Lord through a prophet, and then the birth of Jesus at that period of, of silence. And you can only imagine uh, the hopes of the people inclined towards heaven, saying, when is this darkness going to end? When will the Prince of Peace, the promised one from long ago, when will He come and deliver His people? When will the light of the world come and free us from our bondage? Del Tackett wrote about Apollo 13 and Jesus. And he talks about Apollo 13 blackout versus the 400 years of silence. And this is what he says. To illustrate the 400 years of silence prior to the coming of Jesus, that that dark time. Tackett compares it to the Apollo 13 incident on the evening of April 13th. When the crew was 200,000 miles from Earth and closing in on the moon, uh, mission control saw a low-pressure warning signal on a hydrogen tank in Odyssey. And, of course, we knew there was an explosion. Alarms lit up in the Odyssey and in mission control as oxygen pressure fell and power disappeared. And the crew notified mission control with these famous words, Houston... We have a problem. For re-entry to the Earth's atmosphere, there would be a blackout period lasting several minutes. During the silence, mission control, petitioned Odyssey, Apollo 13, this is Houston, do you read me? Apollo 13, this is Houston, do you read me? Then Tackett goes on to comment, the Apollo 13 blackout lasted only a few minutes. Imagine 400 years of silence. Then the silence was broken. At the right time, God brought forth His Son, born of a woman, and fulfilled all the promises and the prophecies. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and His government is shall be upon His shoulders. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A question for you this morning. Has the realization gripped you that the very life of heaven itself dwells within you here and now? Think about that. Has the realization gripped you that the very life of heaven itself dwells within you, here and now? You see that child born in the manger, the one who is the light of the world, born in the dark of night to bring light and life to those in the bondage of that darkness. That one. The babe born in the manger was born so that he could be born again in your heart in my heart. So that in a very real way the very life of heaven itself to dwell within you and me here and now. Now that 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 question begins a quote by theologian George Ladd. Let me, let me finish that quote for you. Consider what Ladd has to say. Has the realization gripped you that the very life of heaven itself dwells within you here and now? The eternal life which belongs to to tomorrow, is here today. The fellowship we shall know when we see Jesus face to face is already ours in part, but in reality. The transforming life of the Spirit of God has come to indwell us, to transform our character and our personalities This is what eternal life means. This is what it means to be saved. It means to go about every day in the present darkness of this age, living the life of heaven as incrementally we move towards the arrival of the age to come. Wow, that's the good news. That's the, the message of Christmas. And as we think of that, and we think of the gift of the Prince of Peace, we are reminded that He invites us to come to the manger and to leave each of us with a piece of Christmas. In Christ Jesus, we receive a gift of peace. We receive peace from our past. Isn't that good news? Peace from our past. Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now think about this. We who by sin were estranged from God have now been reconciled through the life of Jesus Christ, through His death on the cross, through His resurrection, through His shed blood, you and I can now be at peace with God. Our sin can be forgiven. The penalty that that we deserve for our sin, Jesus took on the cross for us. That we might be declared, what? Not guilty. And given the gift of Christ's own righteousness. That we would have... Peace from our past. That no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter how we have fallen short, and all of us have fallen short of God's glory, of His absolute righteous standard, of His holiness. But the good news is that we can stand before Him and hear the words, not guilty, you're forgiven all of your sins. Though they were as scarlet, they've been washed white as snow. That we would have peace from our past. And that we would have peace with God. Eternal peace. And to know that that God pours His Spirit into our lives. The Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 I love this passage. therefore, It's one of the great therefores in Scripture. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That the Spirit of God, His Holy Spirit, is alive and at work in those who by faith have received Christ as their Savior and Lord. Who have, what? Experienced the birth of Jesus in their heart. And that that work of the Holy Spirit is ongoing. And we are being every day conformed more and more into the image of our Savior, God's Son. And that there is a work of new life going on in each of us. That is such good news. That we have freedom. That we have peace with God. That the bondage of, of darkness is broken and the light of life comes to dwell in us. We have peace from our past. Peace from our failure. We have a peace of Christmas. a Peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. And then we have peace in the present. You know, life... It's difficult. It's messy. As we celebrate the birth of our Savior, we we look about our lives and and we look out into the world and we see it seems as if sometimes there's anything but peace. And yet, the Prince of Peace offers us peace in the present. It's It's a peace that we can't understand. It's a... A peace that we can't manufacture on our own. It's a, it's a peace that comes from the Spirit of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit, because the fruit of the Spirit we know is love, joy, what? Peace. It comes from, from the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural peace. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, the Apostle Paul, in the, in the midst of, of house arrest, imprisonment, Writes what's known as the Epistle of Joy. Imagine that. Okay? Hardly what one would expect. And he begins by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. You know that? He says, And again I say, Rejoice. And he goes on to say these words Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and what? The peace of God. It's a peace that's available in the present. Which transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense. How could one have it amidst the the tumult and the turmoil of, of this messy human experience? It will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. What an amazing Promise, And yet, sometimes that, that seems so distanced. And yet, it's present through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I want to read a story about a Chinese pastor, Pastor Chen, who spent 18 years in a prison work camp in China. Because he came from a background of moderate wealth and opportunity, the guards at the camp worked hard to break his spirit and to indoctrinate him into communism. He was so hungry at times that he was tempted to eat toothpaste. He was separated from his wife and from his young church, which he had planted, which was the reason why he was thrown in prison. And while he was in prison, Pastor Chen's wife died. One of his greatest hardships was that he had no privacy to worship, to pray, to read, to memorize the Scripture. He was under constant surveillance. Frequently, he prayed out to God that God would allow him a place of privacy so that he can enjoy fellowship with God. Soon, the prison officials gave him a brand new assignment. In order to break his spirit and indoctrinate him further, they gave him the most difficult work assignment in the camp. They assigned him to the camp cesspool. So much for his answered prayers. (laughs) The sewer pit where he worked served thousands of prisoners... His assignment was to scoop out human waste to be used for fertilizer. No one else wanted the job because it was lonely and repulsive and they feared the deadly diseases. His heart was broken when he went to work on his new assignment. Day after day, working in the foul pit, he wondered if his prayers were heard. To withstand the hardship, he began to sing and pray and quote Scripture aloud. One day it occurred to him that his assignment, the work in the cesspool, was his answer to prayer. How could that be? Because he worked in such a foul hole, none of the guards would get anywhere near him. He worked completely alone. And it was there that he could pray. He could sing. He could quote Scripture aloud as he had wanted to. He began to thank God in the cesspool and rejoice. There was no one there to hear him but his faithful God. His cesspool assignment lasted six years. And miraculously, he never contracted a disease from it. When he was released, the church for which he had labored and prayed had exploded in growth and vitality. He traveled from village to village and there he saw the hand of God at work. He represented the cause of the suffering church in China and became a speaker traveling around the world. Speaking before a huge missionary conference years later, he told the story of God's faithfulness to him in prison. With bright eyes, he spoke of the fellowship that he enjoyed with the Lord in prison while in the cesspool. Standing before the huge crowd, the small Chinese pastor began to sing the song he used to sing in the prison sewer. Here are the words. I come to the garden alone, while the dew is still on the roses. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Pastor Chen had learned that the secret to rejoicing is not perfect circumstances but a consciousness of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ his favorite passage during that time psalm 16 11 and following here are the, the screen i will bless the lord who guides me even at night my heart instructs me even in the darkness I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. You will show me the way of life, granting me the the joy of Your presence and the pleasure of living with You forever. In Christ, the Prince of Peace, we have peace from our past. In Christ, the Prince of Peace, as Pastor uh, Chen would attest to, we can have peace in the present. And finally, in Christ, the Prince of Peace, we have a peace of Christmas and that we have peace for the future. And Jesus, when talking to His disciples shortly before um, He was led off to trial and, and His death on a cross, said these words, John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace i give you i do not give you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid later on he closes his time with them before he goes off into the garden to pray and in john 16:33 he gives these words I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Incidentally, when he says, and take heart, it's it's the same terminology uh, that he uses when he speaks to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of the storm. When he says, have courage. Take heart. Have courage. I have overcome the world. And so the peace of God that comes not in the midst of perfect circumstance, but the peace of God that's available in difficult circumstance. Jesus says, take courage. I have overcome the world. Now, if Jesus were like a professional athlete, let's say a golfer who said, I just... Played the most difficult course and I scored under par, you can do it too. You'd say, Yeah, right. Right? But when Jesus says, You know what? Don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. He's not saying, I've overcome it. So now you go out, you can do it too. You know what he's saying? Because I've overcome the world, you can have confidence that you will overcome the world through me. I will do that work in you and through you. And your hope and your peace, your confidence can rest in who I am. What I have done for you and what I promise to do for you in the future. That's such good news. That we can have peace from our past, peace in the present, and peace for the future, no matter what the future holds. I love the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. And what a reminder of what a great God we have and what a wonderful Savior that we can put our hope and our confidence in. Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced... Now now read this. Appropriate this. Make this your own. Let this be a piece of Christmas in your heart. I am convinced... That neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate right, us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's such good news. And you know what the best news is? We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to pretend. All we have to do is come to Him and acknowledge our need and ask Him to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. You see, Christianity subverts every other world religion. Christianity is the unreligion. It turns all of our religions in the world and religious instincts on their heads. The ancient Greeks told us to be moderate by knowing our inclinations. The Romans told us to be strong by ordering our lives. Buddhism tells us to be disillusioned by annihilating our consciousness. Hinduism tells us to be absorbed by merging our souls. Islam tells us to be submissive by subjecting our wills. Agnosticism tells us to be at peace by ignoring our doubts. Moralism tells us to be good by discharging our obligations. Only the gospel tells us to be free by acknowledging our failure. Christianity is the unreligion because it is the one faith whose founder tells us to bring not our doing, but our need. Perhaps you are in need of the Prince of Peace. Don't leave here this morning without a piece of Christmas? For some of us, maybe it's a peace from our failures. It's making ourselves right with God and living into the new life that He makes available. For others of us, it may be peace in the present. Peace in the storm. We need to hear Jesus speak the word, peace be still. And bring calm into our restless hearts. Or maybe for some of us, we need a peace for the future. There's great uncertainty. But whatever that need is, He invites us, the Prince of Peace, to come and say, Jesus, I have a need, and only you can meet it. That's good news. Don't leave here this morning. Don't leave here this morning without that peace of Christmas that you need. Our prayer team is in the back. They're waiting to pray with you. Uh, I'll be here. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we celebrate His birth at Christmas.